Welcome to All Things Wolverines, a Wolverine sports podcast for the people, by the people. Enjoy expert analysis, entertaining discussion, and the pessimism of true Michigan fans. Get ready for All Things Wolverines. All right. Welcome to All Things Wolverines, Brandon Cousintile and Nate here. Nate, give us your recap of the Michigan Wolverines against UNLV running Rebels from this past Saturday. I will be quite quick, as was the go-go offense. Michigan football, good. UNLV football exists. No one was seriously hurt. I think that's my takeaway. That's great right? That's what you want to do. You want to dominate, no serious injuries, get out of there unscathed. Um, People that should be dominating are clearly dominating. People looking to complain about stuff, which we will soon, trust us, but uh, you really have to dig for some things right now. Uh, It's really small potatoes. Moving on to the next preseason game against Bowling Green, but uh, all in all, big takeaway was we look great. Um, UNLV was not good, so moving on. Cousin Kyle, what was your recap from Michigan's 35-7 to victory over the running Rebels? Yeah, I, th- I again, I think it's there's very little to take away from it overall. You know, Michigan beat up a tomato can. I was uh, – I just want to, you know, congratulate myself. I was just one point off in my score prediction, by the way. Uh, but J.J. looks awesome. Running game uh, didn't look great, but jury's still out uh, very much on if that's a real concern. The defense dominated, and it was just yeah, it was a it was a worry free Saturday, uh, which I think, as Michigan fans, we need to appreciate. You know, I think one of the the hopefully one of the things that the the years in the wilderness has taught us as a fan base is to just to just soak it in, right? To just appreciate. You know, don't be a an Ohio State fan who is just so annoyed and upset by a thirty-five to seven victory. Like, just be like, okay, let's move on. Let's enjoy it. You only get one life to live. You only get twelve, thirteen, fourteen weekends of this uh, a year. So just just love it. Enjoy it for what it is. Mm. Seize the day. Seize the day. Uh, it's looking for a, an additional cliche at the end of that, but uh, we got him. We got him in, but. I agree with cousin Kyle. There have been so many times where uh, Toledo Rockets or the Appalachian State, whatever they are, um, you know, weird things can happen. I, I remember times playing UMass where we were worried in a first half, right? So uh, Michigan, you know, held the Rebels to 229 total yards of offense, allowed them into the red zone once. UNLV obviously scored on that possession. I was right at the end of the game. Uh, run game, uh, and I think Blake is fine. Donovan Edwards' inability just to make three, four, or five-yard gains in the running game is concerning to me. Uh, I don't think it should take Captain to wear down a, a team until the third and fourth quarters for him to be able to do that. And obviously, you know, some of the run blocking needs some improvement too. Passing game ahead of schedule – Front seven ahead of schedule. Secondary should be amazing if healthy, but we, you know, we, we've kind of been mixing and matching and getting some other guys reps as as Rod Moore, you know, Will Johnson played a little bit, uh, Makari Page has not played very much, all that stuff. So 
Um, yeah, uh, we took care of business. Like cousin Tyle said, you know, enjoy it. It's awesome to win by, you know, games by three, four, five touchdowns. It's, it's, it's a good thing. So, well, on that note, what's your pessimistic Michigan moment from this past week? Nate, what say you? Well, first of all, Kyle, congrats on the score. I do hope, as Brandon referenced Carpe Diem sees the day, that your students today stand up on their chairs and tell you, oh, captain, my captain, for your predictions. Obviously, I couldn't get that whole word out for some reason. Uh, I make this so... every day. Every day, I, I demand. I demand that. Well, that's why you're a great teacher. You, uh, great teachers tell kids what to do. That's awesome. Uh, I am going to say this. I mean, for us, it's small potatoes, really tomato can. Yeah. I mean, on the rewatch, I noticed some things. Brandon, to your point about the running. Uh, Seth from Goblad wrote something really well. We're, we're learning a new running scheme called the stretch, which is what the Colts ran with Edger and James, who was exceptional at that. But you have to have that be your entire scheme. And that's the issue I'm finding with our running um, views. But yeah, Donovan's definitely missing, I think, patience. And because he's not used to running with patience, he's just hitting holes and there's no holes. And so instead waiting and then seeing where there's a lane and then going is what he's going to have to learn, which takes a lot of time and practice. We'll see what happens. My bigger issue, I'm going to create this like a Festivus uh, from Seinfeld, just airing a few grievances. Um, we do not have good run blocking outside of the offensive line. So all those big run bursts that happened, the reason the 49ers, and I hate saying this, but the reason the 49ers have been so successful is because every receiver that they get blocks their butt off. Ronnie Bell is going to be a 49er for the next 10 years because that's what he does so well. Schoonmaker, Eric All were exceptional at run blocking down, you know, 15 yards down. So we don't necessarily have that this year. Cornelius Johnson, that's not his skill set. Roman Wilson, that's not his skill set. Um, I just saw a few plays that were open because um, we got a few gashes up the middle and to the side. And there's just our guys missed secondary linebackers, safeties that typically they should only have to juke one person, but there ended up being three because they were just missing lanes. Um, I also am a little annoyed at the fact that we just haven't taken a long, deep shot over the top. We have better athletes than the past two teams. We have better athletes coming into the Bowling Green game. Just show me one moon ball that JJ throws. I just want to see it. That's all. I just want to see it. I would love to see... The Ronnie Bell from 2021, the one game that he got to play, right, against what was it, Northern Illinois or whoever it was, Western Michigan, and it was like a 70-yard play. Um, the J.J. pass to uh, – can't remember the transfer that we got from uh, one of the HBCUs um, for that long pass play too. Like we've always done this early on. We haven't done it yet. I just want to see one where it was just like, wow, that was a great long pass, long play. Let's have some fun. So those are my two grievances. I'm a little more concerned about the first because down the road that could pay some issues for us, I think, against some of the better teams uh, with better secondary play. The second one, obviously, is more just a fan. I just want to see it. I just want to see us be better than people because it's fun to impose your will and laugh, and then you can sit down the rest of the game and enjoy it, which we have done. We'll do it again at 7.30 Saturday night against Bowling Green. So hope you guys are ready for a night shootout in the big house against the falcons so that's the, my uh my festivus grievance the the night game we all all wanted the, the night game we all 
all wanted very clearly. Uh, Cousin Kyle, what's your pessimism for this past week against UNLV? It's not, it's not the night game you want. It's the night game you need, right? There's another cliche for you. Um, yeah, <laughs> Baldwin was his name, Nate, right? That's who you're talking about, that JJ pass. Uh, uh, I can't remember his first name, but Baldwin, yeah, that was beautiful, beautiful pass. Anyway, uh, my pessimism really is just reserved for the backups. What's up? What's up, guys? Okay. Second string offense has not looked great. Uh, Davis Warren has had a bad interception, and I was kind of hoping that he would, just from the story perspective, seems like a great kid, great story, really wanted him to establish himself as, as a second stringer just, just for that reason, um, not anything against Tuttle or anything like that. I think Tuttle had a, a really good run that ended up with him being hurt. Unfortunately, I hope he's okay. Uh, I know that Coach Harbaugh said he's probably not going to get in the game this week. Um, but I, you know, I hope he's, he's healthy. He's obviously our number two, uh, in that regard. And the defense has, has kind of coughed up back-to-back shutouts. They've given that up in, in back-to-back weeks. So I would, I would really like to see against Bowling Green, the second string, get out there, score some touchdowns. I would love for them to play the whole second half. Hopefully that we're already up 35, nothing and, and they can just play the whole second half, get some touchdowns, feel good about themselves, get Stokes out there, see him run. Uh, get some some catches, you know, for the the backup wide receivers, and just uh, yeah, just utilize that time because I don't think they have looked great the last couple of weeks, and that's also played into why maybe the scores haven't been um, covering the 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 spread at least uh, the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think um, I know we've talked about this previously, but this clock running clock. You know, there's more data coming out that it's probably taking more like 14 or 15 plays per game. But uh, these are also, for the most part, for many teams, the Power 5 schools, non-competitive games early on. So when a game is really tight and competitive, the the amount of plays called might be different because you're maybe not scoring. Even though scoring is down, you're maybe not scoring as much or as frequently and so I'm just curious of how that's going to really continue to impact our team because um, will we want to be running at teams and wearing them down like we did the last two seasons? I mean, that's what we did, right? Third and fourth quarter, Cousin Kyle talked about it last week. That's what we did, and that's when we would break games open. That's when we broke open Ohio State, you know, all those things. Um, it puts a lot of, you know, teams are obviously stacking the box against us, you know, smart but it puts a lot of pressure on our QB and I think it, you know, really, really obviously JJ's handled it well, but we have not had very formidable opponents yet. And so I'm just, I'm just curious what this is going to turn into, how these, the data is going to track as these games, as we move into conference play across the landscape of college football, but particularly how it impacts how we do, you know, play calling amount of series, all, you know, how you script games, all those kinds of things. All right, in our overanalyze, Nate, what are you seeing on this Michigan football team? Well, I'm going to break down a play that everyone saw, everyone's going to talk about because it was a beautiful story about a very tragic situation. JJ's friend um, passing away with a heart condition at the age of 20. Um, But, yeah, as the story broke, the touchdown happened, right? 47-yard 
touchdown play for his friend who was number 47, which is pretty cool. And JJ to Roman. Um, <clears throat> I will say it was actually a breakdown of protection up front. Keegan and Nugent uh, had confusion about who was picking up the stunted defensive tackle and the delayed blitz and the linebacker coming in. UNLV does one thing well. Barry Odom um, was a linebacker coach uh, at Arkansas. He was the head coach at Missouri, and they produced some really good defensive front seven guys. So they do that well, actually. So it was good practice for us to deal with, like, the Rutgers of the world who were clearly good at those types of things. Um, and he, J.J. acknowledged afterwards that he actually saw Cornelius um, over the, like, a 15-yard up, but then he saw Roman on the drag. And the rest is history, right? He just dumped it off. But there have been so many plays like this the past two weeks that J.J. is able to avoid having to throw it away, avoid sacks, and doing what he did last year, which, let's be honest, there was a, a number of plays. <clears throat> and I know it's a small sample size. And I know who our, who our opponents are, right? We're playing UNLV. We play <laughs> uh, Eastern Carolina. So, I mean, and we're playing Bowling Green again. But the fact is, and the truth is, that even last year, look, someone like Cade, and it's not picking on Cade, but that type of a quarterback, you just automatically lose out because they can't avoid sacks. They can't continue a play, keep it going to see what's downfield. The reason the Patrick Mahomes, the Joe Burrows, the Josh Allens are so incredible is because they keep their feet going, they're fast, they're quick, and they keep their eyes upfield. And JJ's doing things that I didn't think he would be at this year, quite frankly. I was not believing the hype because, quite frankly, since Harbaugh has been here, as much as I love him, we haven't really had someone like that. So what he's doing really is first-round talent. And so the fact that there's a blown assignment, it's not discouraging. I think we often forget these are Division One athletes. These kids are trained all week about how to break a certain scheme. And when they came in, clearly Keegan and Nugent miscommunicated. They're still getting used to the reps. Um, offensive gurus don't know what the defensive players are, are coming up with and crafting. And so the fact that a play that broke down, he should have been sacked. He avoided it. He saw the drag route, hit it, and then Roman had enough speed to get there. I think it's just really encouraging to both see, A, that J.J. really is a pro player. And not just that, he could be a really good one. And, B, um, the fact that he's got athleticism enough to keep a play going to give us an opportunity that when we do play a really good team, um, we've got good enough athletes like Roman Wilson that can continue to run and get 10, 15 more yards than the average bear. So, anyway, very excited about that. Happy about where we're progressing and uh, very encouraging and very awesome to see. Let's not go back to an immobile quarterback, but let's get athletes like this. So fun to see. It's good. Cousin Kyle, take us into the deep waters as you overanalyze and break down some things from this past week. Yeah, I'm just going to I'm going to riff off what Nate was just talking about and kind of what you talked about a little bit earlier, Brandon. That is, you know, the the running game. We, we have to find things to talk about. The running game has not been dominant. We're used to that. We want to see that. I think part of it is just kind of rust, you know, Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum, basically from the the moment the season ended for both of them, whether that was, you know, Blake and his knee or just Donovan in the, the TCU game. After that point, they haven't gotten hit since then. Uh, they, they went through some motions probably over the summer uh, and then fall camp, but I don't think that they ever got hit. And so I think part of it is just trying to get used to that again. There was one play in particular where they did this wedge play. I think it was like a third and, and two, or maybe it was in fourth and two or something like that, where, uh, you know, UNLV just sold out. And last year, that very same play, Blake bounced outside against Maryland, scored a touchdown. Didn't, I don't know why that is. Again, I don't know if that's a vision issue, just a rust issue. I do think, though, this is good for Michigan overall. 
long term because it is forcing them to throw the ball more. It is forcing them to utilize JJ, who is an NFL quarterback, and they should be. But it also is going to, uh, you know, for recruits, always got to be thinking about them recruits. Uh, they're they're watching this, right? These these kids that are uh, looking at Michigan, and this is going to bring them here, you know, because I think a selling point that other places might have said is, well, don't go to Michigan because you're just handing the ball off, right? And then for elite receivers. Why go to Michigan? You're not, you're just blocking. And that's an important part of their game, but, but you do need to utilize that passing game. I'm glad that we're doing it. I'm glad that, and, and the throws that JJ's making, I don't think are opponent variant, right? Like it's not like some of these games we've had in the past where we play these tomato cans and you're like, Oh my gosh, this offense is amazing. And then you look at them against other people and they suck. So this is uh, for real. And this is good for Michigan long-term. Yeah, I think, and I think that'll be the interesting thing and not to be pessimistic at all, but is can the run game come catch up to the passing game a little bit, right? Um, and and that's what I that's what I hope to see. Uh, we had talked about the in week one against ECU, how their quarterback was getting rid of the ball quickly, kind of avoided sack, getting sacked, and we wanted to see some of that pressure this week. And we had five sacks in the first half alone, right? I think we ended with just those five, but Jalen Harrell with one and a half, Kenneth Grant with one and a half, plus a TFL, uh, one from Derek Moore, half a sack for Graham and Chris Jenkins. But it was like pressure was coming everywhere from the edge, in the middle. Um, Michigan is generating a pass rush uh, very well from all angles. And seeing Jenkins and Grant just take care of the interior is terrifying um and it's it's a beautiful thing i am um i am a, a little worried about our secondary just because they haven't gotten reps yet together it's one thing for an individual player to get reps but to get them together obviously i think it's good you know keon Saab has has made a second straight start uh zeke berry played against ecu but then i think he got hurt on like the like opening kickoff didn't play. Uh, Quentin Johnson's getting some time at safety. So, um, you know, love to see Rod Moore getting healthy. Makari Page getting healthy. Um, obviously seeing Will Johnson back out there is good. But just those guys getting getting back to the speed of play as conference play gets ready to open up. I'd love to see more of those guys out there uh, this weekend. And for that unit to be solidified, we've seen some, you know, Mikey's obviously been great. We've seen some good individual performances and flashes at time. But as a collective unit to see all those things come together. Cause then I think that's going to allow our pass rush, you know, uh, our front seven to, to fly and be free and all that stuff. So I'm excited to see that, but I am a little anxious as, you know, okay, when are these guys going to be back? When are these guys going to be healthy? When are they going to get the reps um, and the, in the full speed stuff? So now it's that time we do it every week. Uh, our ATW players of the week, uh, Nate, what do you have for us this week? Uh, to your point, I've never seen a unit do what they're doing, and I'm actually not going to give it to a player. I'm going to give it to a position coach that we got from Notre Dame who was a Michigan man, Mike Elston. Um, <clears throat> across the board, I mean, looking at PFF yesterday, the grades, um, you know, if you take out the minimum amount of snaps because Kenny Grant is not – we the defense just isn't getting the amount of reps, to your point. They're just not. Some of that's, you know, the opponent – 
some of it's just like the depth is so much there that they're not all getting the amount. But um, according to PFF, Kenny Grant is third in the Big Ten in pass rush D. Mason Graham in the Big Ten is first in rush defense, I think in the entire nation, actually. Um, as defensive ends, Braden McGregor is first in rush defense in the Big Ten, and Derek Moore is seventh in pass rush in the Big Ten. I didn't even mention pretty much the guaranteed first-rounder Chris Jenkins, right? I mean, he's going to be a first-rounder. It's guaranteed. We watched what the Jets did against Josh Allen on, on Monday night. So, I mean, you see what happens if you get interior pressure, and our team is doing that in spades. So I uh, I salute Mike Elson for his clear gift of developing talent, uh, teaching the game, and seeing them grow, and it's just been really fun to watch. So, Mike Elson, you are the ATW Award for player, coach of the day. All right, Cousin Kyle, ATW Award for the week, big mistake of the week goes to who? Yeah, I think our big mistake of the week <clears throat> goes to the Pac-12, in particular uh, the former president of the Pac-12, because – Listen, they are facing extinction, and their top eight teams are all undefeated. They have some big Power Five conference wins. I mean, Washington State had a big win against uh, Wisconsin. Like, the back, the Pac-12 looks as good as they've been in years. <laughs> and they're failing. Like, I laugh, but uh, it's very sad uh, because we've talked about it before. I hate it. I think it's, it, I think it's stupid. Uh, USC, in particular, like, fleeing to the Big Ten for money. Like all of it is just awful. So their collapse is a huge factor in, in the end of college football as as we know it. And so now Cal is in the Atlantic Coast Conference, right? Because when you think of the Atlantic Ocean, you think California. So that there, yeah, I I'm happy for the Pac-12 that they're doing well, but but it's just such a mistake that they're that they're going to collapse and and not exist anymore. And now the ATW Player of the Week for special teams. Um, yes, Jake thought, um, caught one or two of those punts and ha one was like an okay return, but man, it's still scary back there. It's really scary back there. Um, I hope we can kind of get that sorted out. I mean, other teams have punted quite a few times against us now, and it's just, it just feels like we're unable to catch the ball even for a fair catch, um, with any confidence. So, um, but special team, ATW, special teamer of the week, simple. Tommy Doman, easily. 46 yards uh, per punt on average. Only had three punts, but two of them inside the 20. So old Tommy hasn't been used too often uh, in the punting game. Um, kickoff game, I want to see him have a real clean kickoff game against Bowling Green. Um, you know, we had that one where he, he kicked out uh, out of bounds, um, it earlier against ECU definitely want to see that change he's got a big leg clearly but um, yeah just seeing that special teams grow a bit um, I'd like to see um, I think our coverage you know our coverage on punt is good I'd like to see a little more juice in the Mullings was returning kickoffs like what is going on I was like, who, I was like, who is that? And I'm like, Oh, that's Galil Mullings. Um, so just would love to see our return game, you know, kind of take that, that next step in progression would like to, even though I'd like to see touchdowns, I'd like to see some different game situations for the field goal game as well. Um, just to get more reps, more confidence as we get rolling into the conference play. So Tommy Doman, your ATW special teamer of the week.
All right. It's time for previews and predictions. Cousin Kyle, what's your prediction against the BGSU Falcons coming up this weekend? Night game. Night game. Well, this is this is the orgy game, I think. Bowling Green uh, should be the worst of the three non-cons we face. They're led by Scott Loeffler, former Michigan quarterback coach to the stars. Uh, Eric Campbell, who is their wide receiver coach. And then Kevin Tolbert, who is their strength training and conditioning uh, coach. So all these guys were under uh, Lloyd Carr and seem, I think, to be the end of that coaching tree, if I'm not mistaken. I guess Ron English is still, I think he's down in Louisville. But uh, assuming we don't count as former players, we're kind of near the end of that that coaching line. So hopefully by halftime, Michigan will be in a place to to play all those backups. Uh, I would love to see them, you know, get get touchdowns like we said earlier. I think Michigan blows the doors off of Bowling Green and they win forty five to three. Big prediction, big prediction, love it. For me, uh, the line is fifty three and a half. Uh, last I checked, no way Michigan covers especially with us running the ball a lot and clock rules. But look out for running back Taron Keith. Double first name. He's got uh, 70 yards rushing, but 10 yards per attempt, as well as 127 or 120 some receiving yards. So I, I think they're going to try and get the ball in his hands. Um, I would like to see someone besides Roman Loveland or Cornelius Johnson making plays out wide. Um, maybe we see a little bit more Donovan Edwards in the past game. Maybe it's Morris. Maybe we have an AJ Barner breakout game. If Jack Tuttle can come on back and Jack Tuttle battles Connor Baisley act to decide the true King of IU transfers. But, um, I would, I really do. I, that's still this missing piece that I see is, you know, obviously Roman Wilson's playing awesome, but if he's getting doubled, you know, Loveland has had moments. Um, Cornelius Johnson, you know, shows flashes. You know, he's kind of always done that. But who's that strong number three receiver in a game where we've got to be passing? Who's making plays for us? Um, I think Michigan gets the run game going. Um, Blake gets his 100-yard game. I think we see a few key QBs in the second half, um, thus keeping the score down. But I think we'll see a big play from Alex Orgy at some point. I'm ready to see him in the game. Michigan 41, BGSU 13. Nate, preview predictions as we get ready for these Bowling Green State University Falcons. Well, as we all saw, even though King James Harbaugh will not be there on the sidelines, he does give a great press conference. And uh, he talked about how his father and mother go back to Bowling Green State University. And uh, again, Jack Harbaugh, Great coach, national championship coach of Western Kentucky. He knows he knows how to drill it to the boys, and uh, he told uh, he told Jim, um, he goes, Bowling Green's going to come up there and kick your ass. <laughs> he's doing the Kirby Smart move, you know. He's just like, hey man, they're going to beat you, guys. No one believes in you, and only Jack Harbaugh knows how to do that. Um, as you, I think, all had mentioned, Scott Loeffler, former quarterback, uh, Lloyd Carr did pick Loeffler over. Jim Harbaugh for the quarterbacks coach uh, when he was the head coach. So I think Harbaugh's angry enough that he could find real beef there and uh, maybe run the score up on Bowling Green uh, and encouraging uh, Jack to do so since he's going to be, I think, assistant head coach for Sharon Moore for this game. I will say Bowling Green does have a few solid players. I really like their defensive end, Demetrius Hardman. Um, I saw him against Liberty. 
he gets around the edge really quick. Uh, I actually like his get off. And Bowling Green actually has a Green Bay Packer who made their uh, their roster this year up front. Uh, I think they have a pretty good coaching philosophy there. So don't sleep on them. And we've had some snafus up front that could happen, but JJ is mobile enough. I'm not concerned. They also have a receiver, Adieu Hilaire, who's a transfer from Alabama A&M. He has a 67% contested catch rate. I've seen him do three one-handed grabs, including something I've never seen before. He got knocked so hard, his helmet got knocked off. While he was going to the ground, he reached and one hand grabbed his helmet while he was going to the ground. So the kid's got he's he's got paws. Uh, he's a fun to watch, but all in all, they're a terrible team. Connor Bazelak, as you said, um, my gosh, the king of transfers of IU, Brandon. That is great. They should get an award. I don't know what. Maybe they get a pair of candy striped pants signed by Bob Knight. I don't know what would be honorable for them, but uh, yeah, I mean it's going to be, it, you know. I would say this. I've been doing what I compare these to. Uh, this game is like making an appearance to your spouse's work holiday party. It'll be one hour too long. You're wasting a babysitter on a night. That you get to talk to your spouse for five minutes the whole night, but you love her. You have the friends weekend coming up next month. So do your duty, get in, get out, support your team, punch the clock, win by 32. Uh, maybe that's not what happens at the holiday party winning by 32, but that's my prediction. We're going to win 37 to five. I think we're going to get, the ninth string quarterback in there, which is probably Jake Thaw, uh, who will fumble it in the end zone with three seconds left uh, and recover it. And uh, that's that's it. That's what that's what's going to happen exactly to the T. Go Blue. Well, 7.30 Saturday night, Bowling Green State University Falcons come to the University of Michigan, Wolverines to Michigan Stadium uh, on Big Ten Network. Yeah, so I think we got Jake Bud on the call, which is great. And uh, excited to uh, see us improve and get ready for this conference season, get out of there healthy, see a lot of backups play, a lot of dr- kids' dreams come true by getting on the field for the first time would be would be great. And uh, I'm sure, um, yeah, I um, Connor Bazelak, I mean, we've seen him run for his life at IU. Um, I'm, I'm a little worried for him. Um, so anyways, we'll see who the true king of IU transfers is this weekend. So hopefully that means two touchdowns by AJ Barner. That's what I'd love to see. That's what I'd love to see. Well, that's all we have for you this time on all things Wolverines. We'll see you next week.